Good afternoon. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about gamification today. Um, again, I'm Christopher Cunningham. Uh, I'm a longtime developer, geek, uh, gadget freak, and now the co-author of a book on gamification. Uh, the book is called Gamification by Design. I co-wrote it with my friend Gabe Zickerman, and it is due out this summer. What we've tried to do with the book is kind of summarize enough game theory and practice into kind of a practical handbook for how to analyze and, and utilize gamification in applications. Uh, so we'll start with the definition. Uh, what is gamification? The definition we like to use in the book is uh, the use of game thinking and game mechanics to engage users and solve problems. Uh, Today, I'd really like to emphasize a little bit the uh, game thinking part of it, as well as the problem solving part of it, uh, and a little less so on the mechanics with the time we have available. Uh, one thing to point out before we get started is what gamification is not. Uh, it's not about building actual games in an application, uh, nor is it about slapping crappy badges uh, all over every single web page. The obvious example that everyone cites when thinking about gamification is Foursquare. Uh, Foursquare is an excellent example of uh, the use of very overt game mechanics to uh, engage users. Uh, the badges, points, and levels are, are famous by now, and it's been a huge success. What I think is interesting to remember, uh, thinking back to our definition about Foursquare, is that it was born from the ashes of Dodgeball, which was basically the same service running over SMS, and was also wildly successful in the, in the beginning. It, it grew very quickly, was acquired by um, Google, and had a very passionate following. Um, but it sort of died off, because uh, it wasn't very fun to check into Dodgeball unless you bumped into a friend, and that was far from guaranteed, uh, especially since they hadn't conquered the whole world. Um, and the real problem that the founders of Dodgeball solved when they launched uh, Facebook, Facebook was the problem that check-ins were boring. And they layered in these uh, overt game mechanics to make check-ins in themselves fun. Uh, and so it became a, a single-player game as well. You could become the mayor of a, uh, of, a, of a coffee shop, and it wasn't just about the serendipity of bumping into your friends. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the sort of uh, emotions behind uh, fun and gameplay, um, and talk a little bit about why people play games in the first place. Uh, the, it falls into roughly four categories. They play for mastery, to de-stress, for socializing, and fun. And the key takeaway here is that uh, gamification and, and game mechanics tap into to very deep psychological motivators. Um, we've been playing games probably since the beginning of the species, and uh, our minds are, are literally wired for them. Uh, uh, beyond just the idea of, of why we play games, there are, you know, there's a, a lot of, of scientific and psychological study about, um, about what's motivating us and the types of people who play games. Uh, a very famous one is Richard Bartle's Four Player Types, uh, which he uh, put out in a paper in the 90s after studying uh, multiplayer games. And he divided players into four categories that are sort of important to think about when designing a, a game or, or a, a gamification experience. Uh, there are killers, which are a uh, class of players that are in it to, to beat other players, and that's their main driver. 
achievers are in it to, to have their own personal best, to, to win for, for the winning's sake. Explorers enjoy discovering new elements, and uh, particularly in a, in a multiplayer or social game, uh, they enjoy letting everyone know that they've discovered something. And then socializers are, are people who are still playing to win, they, they enjoy winning, but they're, it's not the main reason that they come to the game. They're, they're coming to have a meaningful social interaction, and it's important to think about these kinds of players and their different needs in the system. Uh, and most important of all is, is to realize that uh, everyone has a little bit of, of all these players in them, but the principal uh, motivation for playing is, is social. Um, if you look at the types of players, the killer is actually the rarest type, uh, although they tend to cause a lot of problems in the system because they're the ones that jump in and exploit every loophole. Um, but the, most people are coming to a game to have a meaningful social interaction and a chance at winning it. And that's important to remember uh, when you're building a, a social platform in particular. Uh, I want to take a look now at a few real-life examples um, of, of problems that have been created or solved by using game mechanics uh, and think a little bit about these uh, these game, uh, game mechanics and, and principally the, the motivators for what are causing people to have these behaviors in the system. Uh, Yahoo Answers is a, a great example of uh, an early aggressive adopter of gamification before we even had the word. Uh, they launched a, a question and answer site that used very overt uh, game mechanics, points, levels, rankings within the system. Uh, and they had a, a great deal of success. Uh, lots of users, they still have lots of users. Uh, but they've always had a, a little bit of a problem, and that is the quality of their questions. Uh, it's sort of famous for uh, people coming in, asking nonsense questions, and then asking them over and over again, getting lots of short, meaningless answers, so that the site doesn't always live up to its potential to answer your question as you uh, land on the site searching for something. And I, I think if you take a look at the actual game me mechanics and player motivations, it becomes somewhat clear uh, how this started and, and why it continues. The first problem in, is that in the beginning of the, uh, the very first launch of the product, players actually earned points and therefore status within the system for uh, asking questions on the site. That's been tweaked since where you actually lose points now for asking questions. But in, in the beginning you actually weren't earned a significant number of points in an attempt to motivate you to uh, curate your question and clean it up at the end, you could actually earn more points asking questions than you got for answering them. And that drove a culture of people, uh, I would argue, who uh, were in this to ask questions, and, and that was part of the thrill of the game. And so they asked an infinite number of questions, and they continue asking them. The second uh, motivation, I think, that's driving users to continue in this behavior, uh, aside from the fact that they've sort of created a community of question askers and question answerers, is that uh, there's still a, a great deal of status in the system uh, associated with uh, asking a question. And in a, remembering that socialization is the most important motivator for most players of games, uh, the, the result of this is that if you create a community that has any value to your users, and then you expose a method for earning status within that community, that is the most powerful motivator uh, that you can apply to, to a user, far more powerful than a, a cash prize, for instance. 
And in the Yahoo uh, questions section, the, the identity of the, of the question asker, the, their avatar and their um, personal expression on the site is closely tied to a question. So they get a, a lot of social credit for, um, for asking a question. And if they get a lot of responses to their question, even if it's a nonsense question, they end up arriving in the leaderboard of most uh, talked about questions. So there's a, a strong um, mechanic here that's pushing users to ask questions that get a lot of answers, whether or not they're interesting to the, the world at large. And so the takeaway here is that if you uh, use a, a mechanic to, record, to reward something, then it has an effect. And in this case, if you reward people for asking questions, they're going to ask a lot of questions. Um, and the quality of those questions can suffer. The, uh, how is Babi formed actually became an internet meme uh, that exploded all over the internet as a sort of example of a you know, poorly worded nonsense question uh, that appeared in, in Yahoo questions. So if we were to think about these problems uh, and then try and think of how we might use game mechanics to um, design a better question and answer system, uh, what might that look like? Well, the first thing that you would probably do is take away the ownership of the question uh, because you don't really want to incentivate question asking that much. If someone wants to know the answer to something, that's enough motivation. If you start adding points to it, it, it distorts things, as we saw with Yahoo. Um, Quora has done just this. The, the question section of, of Quora's Q&A website, which is roughly the same as Yahoo questions, but has... Um, just in a, a year already generated a, a, a much larger body of high quality questions and answers. But no one owns the question. The, the question's actually owned by the community and it's treated like a wiki. So there's no status attached to asking the question at all. In fact, I can come reword your question um, at any point in time. The second thing that you would do is, is to try and shift the user's attention and the reward structure to the answers and the quality of those answers. Um, and Quora does this much more aggressively than, than Yahoo Answers. The main uh, innovation they had here was to actually sort the answers to every question by the number of points um, that the uh, answer had received from people voting it as a, a great answer. And so all of the status is attached. Your avatar is next to your name, and your answer is below it. And the, the, the answers to the question actually become a leaderboard. And so people who begin playing the Quora game um, are playing for status in that leaderboard. And in order to get it, you have to spend a long time writing a detailed, um, accurate answer to a question. And the, the results to the, um, the result of this is, is much higher quality answers um, to, to much better questions. Um, another example that I, I like to talk about because it's a, a little bit funny is the, uh, an example that involves uh, Twitter in the early days. The, thing that I'd like to highlight here is, is uh, gaming the system. That if you have managed to create uh, a user experience or a game dynamic uh, that has any value to the users, um, they're going to uh, abuse it, especially those killers, again. But if, if the site, uh, if the community has value, then um, it's worth cheating. <laughs> and so you have to watch this very closely when you're applying your game mechanics. But Example I like here is, is early Twitter, I, and I think it's interesting because I, it's a little bit funny, and they, they stumbled into it, I'm sure, without thinking um, about the game dynamics involved. The, back in 2007, Twitter was just getting its first couple of million users, and they were having some sort of famous scaling trouble. 
Um, it was coded in Ruby on Rails. If you were building websites in Ruby on Rails, you were watching Twitter very closely back in those days because they were the first site to actually have to, to scale Ruby on Rails. And uh, Blaine Cook, the architect, put out this kind of famous, within the tech community, presentation about scaling Twitter. It was mostly about uh, memcached and, and database design. And then a tiny little bit at the end that no one was really paying attention to at the time, which they uh, called abuse. And uh, they were saying even after you'd scaled your database and, and cached everything, uh, you were still going to have problems with, with this kind of socially networked site with lots of traffic because there were always going to be these abusive users. And the example slide they put up uh, was this one, where they uh, had this um, problem with user behavior that they didn't expect and they didn't understand. Uh, it was particularly strong in Italy for some reason, and they weren't sure why at first, and they were ca caught completely off guard, but these users were actually dragging um, Twitter down and had to go to delete their accounts in, in real time to, to keep the system up at the time. And so the question here is, the question that they were asking is, why on earth would someone log into Twitter, um, only acquire 96 followers, and uh, start following 509 people? Um, it's kind of funny now because following 509 people doesn't seem like a particularly big number that would drag down Twitter today. Um, but I think the answer to this was in the layout of, of Twitter at the time. They, they actually used to call the people that you were following your friends, and then uh, your followers were just the people you followed. And so they had surfaced a score that was visible to the user attached to your avatar um, and gave you credit within the system for having a, a lot of friends. They'd given you a friend score, and it was an easy game to play. To get friends, all you had to do was start clicking follow. And so lots of people would do that. Um, they obviously have tweaked that in, in uh, the ensuing years and created a much more sophisticated game where um, the game is really about acquiring followers, which requires a, a much more uh, beneficial community play. But the takeaways here are that Twitter had obviously created a very engaged community. Um, they'd surfaced a point system, perhaps without realizing it. They'd actually created a social score called Friends, and uh, it was very easy to win this game, so, so people were playing it. And that leaves us with the question of uh, why were the Italians abusing this in particular? Um, and the deeper dive into that is, is another gaming of the system. There was an Italian carrier who was giving free call, free airtime, free call credits for every SMS that you received. And so if you signed up for Twitter, SMS notifications at the time and followed a bunch of people, you received tons of messages and got a bunch of free airtime. So in summary, um, gamification taps into very powerful human motivations. Um, it's principally about socializing, although there are other types of players in the system. The main driver uh, in a social, uh, socialized game is status within the system, and you can use that to your advantage, but you also have to watch for it. And um, that if you have a valuable system, you're always going to have cheaters. So you have to constantly be watching for um, gaming of the system. Uh, that's my presentation. And uh, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.